Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on November 7th, 2021 during our Sunday morning service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12th meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays, and our Awana program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Who here has started their Christmas shopping? Some of you better get on it. Who here has finished their Christmas shopping? Anybody? Oh, wow. I could be finished, but then I always see something and I think, oh, man, maybe that too, maybe that too. No one gives gifts like God the Father. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ by the giving of gifts, and whether we have anything to give materially this year or not, that's not what it's about. It's about the gift of Jesus Christ. We give gifts as the wise men gave gifts in recognition of the gift that was given to us when the only begotten Son of God was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary when he was born for us, lived for us, died for us, resurrected for us. But Jesus Christ is not the only gift that God has given. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the gifts keep coming. And God gives us many, many gifts as we Zero in in Ephesians chapter 4 in a few minutes. We're going to begin more to talk about the spiritual gifts that God has given to his church for our good and for his glory. Now, before we dive into Ephesians chapter 4, and really we're going to spend most of our time outside of Ephesians today. Because what Paul summarizes here, he's going to expound upon in a couple other places. And so we're going to spend most of our time outside of Ephesians. But let me just remind you what we've seen. It's been a few weeks since we've uh, been together in this book. And so let me just remind you what we've seen so far here in chapter 4. Chapter 4 is uh, focusing in on the walk that God has called all of us as Christians to do. Verse 1 I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. All who are in Christ are part of the body of Christ, and we are called to walk, live accordingly. And so we've seen a number of things so far. Let me just summarize five of them for you very quickly. Things that we've seen here so far in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. We have seen that every Christian has a responsibility. 
Yes, we have great gifts from God. Yes, we have great privileges. Spiritual blessings beyond our capability currently to even comprehend. And yet, with that comes great responsibility to walk worthily of our Christian calling and to do so in unity. In verses 4 through 6, we've seen that this unity is not only a necessity, but a possibility because of God himself, because of the nature of God and the work of God. There's one body, yes, and there's one spirit who moves inside of us as one body. One hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And this gift-giving Father that we have has given us His Son. And the Son is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus could say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and my Father are one. And so because God the Father is a gift giver, God the Son is also a gift giver. And so as it was prophesied, and for our own good and for our own unity, Christ has given us and given each of us and given all of us as believers spiritual gifts. He calls these, look at verse 7 again, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We are each of us gifted with the grace of a spiritual gift. Now we're given those in different measure. We're not, we're not all given the exact same gift. We're not all given the same amount of gifting. But each of us has been given the grace, the favor of God on our life by which we can serve him and serve one another. And these gifts, again, were secured by Jesus Christ himself, not only given by Jesus, but secured, Paul says, in his death and in his resurrection. And so now, wherefore, he saith, verse eight, he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And number four, because he has given us gifts and because he wants us all to use those gifts, he has also, Jesus Christ, has established offices within the church, not as a substitute for you serving, quite the opposite, but as an equipping for your service. And so verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets. These are foundational Gifts. Chapter 2 says that the apostles and prophets were the foundation that Christ used to build his church. He laid the foundation, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, First Corinthians says. And so the apostles and prophets were foundational to the church. That's this right here, the writings of the apostles and prophets. And he has also not only given two foundational gifts, but he has given two functional gifts, which he calls here the evangelist. We call those more often missionaries, and some pastors and teachers in the Greek, those are one office, the pastor, the shepherd who shepherds by teaching. And what are we teaching? We're teaching what is the evangelist taking, what is the missionary taking? We are teaching and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only and all-sufficient payment for the sins of mankind. And now everyone can be forgiven if they repent and if they trust in Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Messiah as their payment. And then we also teach and take the word of God, 
the writings of the apostles and the prophets because those writings were inspired by God himself. They were God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16 says. And we use God's word to equip the saints. Verse 12 says, for the perfecting or the maturing or the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Therefore, the work of the ministry is every believer's ability and every believer's responsibility. Because that which God has enabled you to do, he is holding you responsible to do. We are responsible because we are able. Not in and of ourselves, not because of our intellect, not because of anything that we have earned, not because of some degree that we have or don't have, but because of the gifting of God himself in us, to us, so that he can, as we'll see in a few moments, work through us. Everyone has received, if you've received Jesus Christ, you have received the grace of forgiveness. You have received saving grace. But please, please understand, you also have the responsibility to operate in God's serving grace. Because grace is not given just to save us. Grace is also given to God's children so that we might serve God and serve one another. As Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, saving grace is by faith apart from works. But as 2.10 says, and as Paul is going to illustrate here, serving grace is given apart from works and it operates by faith. So saving grace is by faith apart from works. Serving grace is experienced through faith for works. For we are his workmanship, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so because it's grace, it's experienced by God's favor. It's not earned. Say, why? Well, you know, I'm saved, but I haven't really been living like it. Listen, it's not about what you've earned. It's not about what you deserve. It's about what God has in his favor granted you and equipped you and now calls you to do for him. So today, as we continue this series of of the walk of those in Christ, we're going to talk about walking worthily of your gifting, walking worthily in your gifting. And so I want you, you may want to keep a finger in uh, Ephesians chapter four, but we're going to spend a lot more time now in first Corinthians chapter 12. Turn with me to first Corinthians chapter 12 and let's revisit what a spiritual gift is is all about we're going to spend most of our time lord willing this morning in first corinthians chapter 12 and then in romans chapter 12 and we'll be ping-ponging back and forth between those two passages Uh, so you may want to go ahead and mark both of those or put a little tab or your little ribbon whatever you got with you so what is a spiritual gift if i'm called to if i'm gifted and i'm called to use my gift i better know what a spiritual gift is Look again with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 1. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God does not want you to be ignorant of your gifting. God does not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. He says in verse 2, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So these gifts are given to those who have trusted in Christ. These gifts are given to those who are truly saved, who Jesus Christ is Lord, and they're able to call him Lord by the Holy Spirit whom God has given. And so in verse 4, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And here's the definition, verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So what is a spiritual gift? Well, it's not spiritual fruit. It's not spiritual fruit. All Christians are called and able, if we're submitting, if we're walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if you are walking in the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., etc. All nine of those different characteristics are expected of all of us. It's not that some Christians have the gift of love and others have the gift of joy. Friend, if you're truly loving, there's going to be joy attached to that. I've never met a truly loving person who who had no joy in their life. And by the way, I've never met a truly joyful person who had no love in their life. All of those are descriptions of the same fruit. It's like taking an apple and you're describing, well, it's got, you know, it's got a, a red skin or if, you know, I'd rather eat a, a like a, a honey crisp so it's not completely red, but... It's, and here's how it tastes, and here's, here's what's inside. and So all of those, the fruit, singular fruit of the Spirit, are described to us as love and joy and peace, etc., etc. But all Christians are called to have the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life. So spiritual gifting is not spiritual fruit. Spiritual gifting is also not natural ability. You can have the natural ability to teach, and not have the spiritual gift of teaching. You could have the natural ability to be a leader and not have the spiritual gift of administration. It's not a natural ability. What is it? It is a manifestation of the Spirit. It is the invisible God becoming visible through your actions and through the way that you minister so that when somebody needs encouragement and you have the gift of encouragement, and God sends you to that person, or the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to give so-and-so a call, or, or the Holy Spirit brings a divine appointment where you just run into somebody, and you offer them the exact encouragement that they need. Gigi and I were having a conversation yesterday, and while we were conversing, a friend of ours, a spirit-led, spirit-filled friend of ours, sent a message to us on Facebook that was exactly about what we were talking about. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit becoming visible through a, through a sister in, in Christ. Showing up in our life through somebody else. And God will do that through you. If you're submissive, He will manifest Himself in your gifting if you let Him. 
It's a spiritual empowerment whereby the Holy Spirit ministers through you to another brother or sister in Christ. A manifestation of the Spirit. Now, you say, well, that sounds awesome. How do I get it? Well, we've already said that all Christians have it. But look again at chapter 12. Let's keep reading the manifestation of the Spirit. For by one, verse 8, is given the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. be a miracle if I can get my pages to unstick here. Here we go. I hate this dry weather. My fingers are completely dry and I can't get any moisture. All right. The gift of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse uh, kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. So how do you get your spiritual gift? Well, when you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit decides what gift you get. You don't decide what gift you get. Say, well, I really wish I had the gift of teaching. Or I really wish I had, I didn't have the gift of teaching because I, I don't like to be in front of people. I really wish I had the gift of encouragement. Or I really wish I had the gift of administration. Whatever gift the Holy Spirit wants to give you, because the Holy Spirit knows whose lives you're going to interconnect with. The Holy Spirit knows what's happening to you tomorrow. You don't. The Holy Spirit knows what's happening to you 10 years from now. If any of us are still here, we'll be somewhere 10 years from now, right? The Holy Spirit knows where you'll be 10 years from now. You don't. And so the Holy Spirit is infinite in his wisdom and infinite in his grace and love for you. And the Holy Spirit decides. I didn't want the gift of teaching because I was so shy when I was a kid. I hated to even pray in public. And I think I've shared this with you before. In, in our youth group, we would gather around on Wednesday nights, and we'd all sit in a circle, and you'd hold hands, and, oh, I hated that. And, then, and you didn't have to pray, right? You could squeeze the hand of the person next to you if you didn't want to pray. So not only did you have to be careful who you sat beside, because you don't want to sit beside somebody with sweaty hands, or if you had the sweaty hands, right, you didn't want to be the, you're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, i got to hold it. But I was the pastor's kid. So everybody expected me to pray. And I, oh man, I know I'm going to forget the request and I'm going to get the name wrong and it's going to be somebody's brother and I'm going to say their cousin. By the way, I still make those mistakes. I still get, I still get but I don't, I don't stress about it like I used to. I just, yeah, it's, it's grace, right? We just need grace. God knows. It's not about me getting the perfect words. God knows what the need is. But I didn't want the gift of teaching. But it's not our choice. It's God's choice, the Holy Spirit's choice. Now, 
In the Bible, there is an instance where we're told that Timothy received a gift by the laying on of hands. I'm not going to take the time to unpack this this morning, but let me just say that minus the apostles, we don't have apostles running around anymore. We don't. They are foundational gifts. Paul himself says the apostles and prophets are foundational, chapter 2, verse 20, I think. So minus the apostles, people don't get spiritual gifts anymore by the laying on of hands. But as we'll see in a moment, if we have time, if we get there this morning, uh, leaders still do confirm spiritual gifts. We don't confer them, though, anymore. Now, how do I find my gift? Well, you might want to keep a finger in 1 Corinthians, but I want you to turn with me now to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is the other passage that Paul, and and we're not going to finish all this this morning, by the way, so don't stress. If you, start, if you think, man, he's, there's a lot more he hasn't said. How long is he? We're, we're going to, we'll, we'll take as much time as we need, as many weeks as we need to do this. But this is the other major passage of, of the teachings of Paul that where he expounds and he explains spiritual gifting. And we see that in chapter 12, verse 6, but we really should see it in verse 1. Because Paul's dealing with spiritual gifts does not start in verse 6, it starts in verse 1. Now, I'm going to show you this morning four things that you must do if you want to find your spiritual gift. It's amazing to me how many Christians don't know what spiritual gift they have. And I I can say that because since I have a a speaking gift, my gift is easier to find, right? So it's easier for me to find my gift. So it's, it's not fair of me to think that, but it is amazing uh, to me sometimes how many Christians who have been saved for years and years. And I remember a, a, a friend of mine who I mean, saved for decades, and, and she said we, she was helping with, with youth group when I was, this was back when I was a youth pastor, and she said, you know, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And I thought, don't say that in front of the teens. I'm trying to help them find their spiritual gift. That was a wrong thing to think, though, because we do need to be honest with one another. We do need to be honest and open about the things that we don't get or the things that we don't understand. So she was being real. She was being uh, transparent. But a lot of Christians don't. So here's what you need to do to find your spiritual gift. Now, by the way, what you call it is not important. It's not about, oh, I know the exact term that I need to use for my spiritual gift. Because the reality is this lady that I'm talking about, she was using her spiritual gift. She was. She just didn't know what to call it. The, the point is not what you call it. The point is, are you using it? The point is, is God blessing it? And so here's some four, four things that you need to do if you want to find your spiritual gift. Number one, you have to be sacrificed in your body. Because Spiritual gifts are about serving like Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts are not about having the best of intentions. Spiritual gifts are not about having the best of motives. Spiritual gifts are about you using your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your nose, maybe not your nose, okay, but your mouth, you using your actual body to minister in some way to someone else. And so Paul says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
based on all the mercies of God. Some of you were here when we went through uh, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. We've taken a few breaks from the book of Ephesians. We've actually spent a lot of time in Romans. So based on all of God's blessings that He has given us, His mercies, we are obligated now. We have an obligation that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The word for service here in the Greek was the same one in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Covenant, that spoke specifically of the priestly service of the Levites. This is how we are to operate as the priesthood of believers, as God's priesthood, that we are using our gifts to minister to God, but also to one another. That means that our worship of God is connected directly to our service, to his body. If I say that I'm worshiping God, but I'm not using my gifts to minister to anyone else, then I'm fooling myself because I'm not being a living sacrifice. My body is not sacrificed to the Lord. Now, please, I understand. Let me just stop for a second. I understand that there are times in our lives where because of physical trials that we go through, our ability to use our gift is very limited. We go through physical trials, maybe a sickness or a, a surgery, we go through periods of life where we are very incapable of using our body to serve. And God understands that. By the way, that's why Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, you better start while you're young. You better remember your creator in the days of your youth. You think that you're going to just put off serving God. I'll use, my, I'll use my gifts once I get out of high school. I'll use my gifts once I get out of college. I'll use my gifts once we've had kids. I'll use my, ki my gifts once my kids have grown up and are out of the house. I'll use my gifts once I paid off my, my kids' student, student loans. You, you keep putting it off, putting it off, and all of a sudden you get to a time in life where you're physically incapable of, do, of, of doing what God has called you to do. So don't wait. Don't wait to start serving. We understand that there are things that come into our life that will hamper our ability to serve but are you offering what you do have, the ability that you do have, the physical capacity that you do have, are you offering that to God? Are you a living sacrifice? Your worship is directly connected to your service. Now, let me try to narrow this down just a little bit for, for us. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 says this about spiritual gifts. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given you a gift, 1 Peter 4.10. He has enabled you to minister as God's steward. You're taking the grace God has given to you and you're sharing it. And then Peter does it this way. Paul is the great elaborator. Peter is the great summarizer, okay? So Peter likes to simplify. Paul likes to explain. Peter says it this way. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as 
of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. So, Paul says, listen, we've got all these kinds of gifts. Peter says, let me make it simple for you. You either have a speaking gift or you don't. So start there. All right? You either have a speaking gift or you don't. Some of you already know. Now, listen, as I said, I was very shy when I was younger. I never thought I would be able to do this. But even then, I used to think about doing this. Even then, I used to think about teaching. Even when I didn't want to become a preacher and I was trying to run from God's calling on my life, I still thought about being a teacher. So even when I was shy and even when this was something that was very scary to me, there was something that God had placed inside of me that was drawing me in this direction. Most of us know I have a speaking gift or not. Most of us, so start there, okay? Start there. Now, with that said, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians. I told you we were going to ping pong a little bit this morning. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to show you how this works. As we are sacrificed, as we are a living sacrifice, okay, God, I'm willing to use my hands. I'm willing to use my ears and to listen. If you have a gift of encouragement, you need to be a good listener. You need to have good eyesight to be able to see need. By the way, if you have the gift of giving, you need to have good eyes and good ears to be able to see where the needs are, the financial needs are, to know how that uh, God's, God's money needs to be directed. So if I'm willing to serve with my hands, with my feet, with my time, my talents, my treasures, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses that we just read. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. How do I find my gift? Verse 5, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So. Paul says, if you want to find your gift, you have to find your quote-unquote administration. Now, unfortunately, that's not a word that easily fits the actual translation of the word. The, real, the Greek word here really means ministry. It just means active service. Paul is saying this, very simple. In, in the word administration kind of obfuscates or hides this a little bit. Paul's saying, if you want to find your gift, you've got to start serving somewhere. You got to start serving somewhere. God will not direct you while you're sitting in the pew and just soaking. You got to start serving somewhere and then God will direct you. As someone once said, God only steers ships at sea. He doesn't steer the ship while you're docked at the harbor. And so we have to get we have to 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 get the ship out. Now, Shed said a ship at harbor it's safe is safe. Ship at harbor is safe. That's not what ships are built for. You're not built for safety. You're not built for comfort. God didn't build you that way. You're built for service. And so we have to raise the anchor. We have to get out. And then as you get involved in ministry, as you get involved in active service, and there are divert, Paul says, look, there's a diversity of things. See what's, see what's open. See what's available. God will begin to direct you. Not every ministry is going to completely connect with your spiritual gift. And there are a lot of things that need to be done and a lot of things that get, that get done that aren't necessarily tied to your spiritual gift. But as you are serving, 
people are going to be responding. And there are some people who think that they have the gift of teaching, but nobody ever asked them to teach. And if you've never taught before, that's, there's a good reason for that, because nobody's ever heard you teach. But if you want to teach and you've taught a lot and you're not getting a lot of feedback, maybe that's not your gift. Maybe it is. Maybe you just need to refine it. Maybe you just need to get better at it. But it may not be your gift. Generally speaking, though, as you begin to serve, people are going to begin to respond to your service and the Holy Spirit is going to be leading you into exactly where you where you fit the best. But you got to start serving. Find your administration. Number two, what does he say next? And there are diversities of operations. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Again, that word operations, that translation kind of hides the real meaning here. The Greek word is the word from which we get the English word energy. There are certain things as you are serving as you are involved in some type of ministry, there are certain things that God is going to energize in you and through you. As you serve, there are certain things, man, you're just going to light up inside with this particular area. Doesn't mean it's always fun. Doesn't mean that it's always easy. Okay, we're not doing this just for, for, the, for the applause. But it does mean that as you begin to serve in a, very, a various area, that as you begin to connect with other Christians and serve those Christians, that God is going to begin to light a fire inside of you on that issue in that way. And so you find that, man, when I give, I get blessed. And when I give, needs get met. And the Holy Spirit is telling me where to give. And the Holy Spirit is showing me where the needs are. Maybe I have a gift of giving. Or you're the person who is always willing to take that step of faith. And you get involved in ministry and everybody else wants to kind of hold back. And you're the one who's saying, no, 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 we got to go forward. God is calling us to do this. And, and you get that fire lit up inside of you. Maybe you have a gift of faith. Or maybe you just... You just like to serve. You just, you just get excited when you can bless someone else, and help someone else and help someone else. And you know what I've found is that most of the people, this is my opinion, it's not only my opinion, I've heard um, Charles Stanley talk about this. Charles Stanley has said, probably the most common gift in the church is the gift of service because it's the one that's most needed. Right. We don't need in a church our size. We don't need 50 people with the gift of teaching. Not saying it would be bad, not saying we'd turn you away, but we, we probably don't need that. We need a lot of service. And so most Christians probably have that gifting. And my suspicion is that most Christians who who are using their gift but don't think they know their gift have the gift of service. But it's kind of tied into that gift that because it's not up front and it's not a speaking gift and it's not something that gets attention that they think, well, this must not really be a spiritual. Oh, no, no, it's needed. It's needed. And if you've ever had somebody who has stepped in 
to serve when you needed served and you saw the Holy Spirit bring that person into your crisis, into your situation, into your need, and they responded and they were there. Man, the Holy Spirit was manifested in that. And so I suspect if you've been serving and you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I suspect it might be the gift of service. But the point is, you have a gift. And it's not the same as everybody else. But to find your gift, you're going to have to start serving. And as you start serving, Paul says, there are different energizings. There are different things. Some people, God, God is going to light a fire in them with giving. Some people, God's going to light a fire in them with faith. Some people, God's going to light a fire in them with teaching. Some people, God's going to light a fire with administration or encouragement, etc., etc., etc. And as you are serving and as you are experiencing how God is blessing. And by the way, I, I, I've shared this with you before. If you're serving and you're a living sacrifice, God is going to energize some things in you and people will tell you what your gift is. You won't need to take a spiritual gift test. Not saying those are wrong. I've taken many of them, especially when I was high school, college. And, and they actually tended to be on, on the dot. But what you will find is, as you are serving, people will tell you what your gift is. And, and again, I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. I had the privilege of working with uh, Pastor Floyd Reinhardt. And we're, Lord willing, have uh, Floyd come uh, and speak uh, sometime to you. Uh, I want to share his ministry with you. He's, he's such a, a dear friend and, uh, and really like an uncle figure to me. And... Such a blessing, but Floyd has the gift of encouragement. And I was speaking to the youth group at our church one Sunday night, and I asked, hey, what's Pastor Floyd's spiritual gift? Everybody know. They didn't need to be told. They knew what it was because he was so energized as an encourager. And as you are submitting to the Holy Spirit, people will tell you what your gift is. People will tell you, people will come to you when there's a need in that area. And you'll find that you will be manifesting the Spirit. Because isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? We want to see the Holy Spirit working and moving and manifesting, not only in us, but in other people's lives so that we can minister. Because none of us have all the gifts. There's a diversity of gifts. None of us have them all. But we all need them all. And that's why we need to be here, not just in this room, but here as the body of Christ, so that we can minister to and with one another. How is the Spirit most clearly manifesting Himself through your life? Now go back with me to Romans 12 as we close. We'll, we'll finish this, uh, Lord willing, next week. But to be a living sacrifice, notice Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You present your body as a living sacrifice, you must also be, be a holy sacrifice. Acceptable unto God. I don't know how many Christian leaders need to fall because of sexual immorality or financial immorality or abusive leadership that has cost 
them their roles and cost their churches. Sometimes the entire church collapses when a leader who's controlling uh, is removed from ministry. I don't know how many have to fall before we see this. But this isn't just true of the preacher because we're here. We're the equippers. This is true of each of us. If we are not holy, if we're not living a life that's acceptable unto God, our spiritual gift is going to have a leash on it. It's going to be reined back because it's the Holy Spirit that is manifesting. And there are some people who, man, they have so much natural ability that God has given to them that they can kind of hide that for a while. Oh, they're such gifted orators that they don't need the Holy Spirit, they think, to anoint their teaching or speaking or preaching. But eventually, be sure your sin will find you out. Eventually, that will be exposed. Eventually, it will be revealed that it's not the work and manifestation of the Spirit. It's It's an impressive gifting. Now, God gave that gifting too. That natural ability, God gives that too. But you must be a holy or clean sacrifice. This is a spiritual gift. You have to be a clean vessel. You cannot be actively grieving the Holy Spirit by the, by the unrepentant sin. None of us are sinless. None of us are holy in and of ourselves. We are only made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're only made holy by God's grace. Because we are placed in Christ, God sees us as holy. Nevertheless, the Apostle Peter says, just because God sees you as holy doesn't mean that you get to live any way you want. You have to be holy as He is holy. Because now He has given you the ability. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit inside of you that enables you to say no to that sin. That enables you to say yes to that decision. Now we have the responsibility because God has given us the ability. This is why Philippians 2 says, you better work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God himself who is working in you to will and to accomplish his good pleasure. And so we all need to confess our sins. We, we are, none of us are sinless. I am not sinless. Ask my wife. Ask my son. Ask my sister. She'd be happy to tell you I am not perfect. I am not sinless. But I sin less than I did. And we can be an example. We can be the person that, as the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. We have to be a holy sacrifice. He will lead you in your gifting, in your service, when you are submissive to Him. Would you stand as we close with a word of prayer prepare our hearts for the invitation father what a privilege god even though we are sinners you see us as in christ because when we trust in christ god you place us in christ we are in christ god and god how often god have we used your grace as an excuse to continue in sin that grace may abound god may that never be true of us ever again. God, when we sin, may your spirit can bring conviction that we might confess. 
God, we want to see the Holy Spirit manifesting in our lives, in our children's lives, in our community, in our church. God, our, our world is a dark, dark place, but God, you have placed your light inside of us and commanded us to be the light, to not hide it, but to be it. And so, God, give us direction as we seek to serve you more. We love and thank you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.